Welcome to Federal Insights, Maritime Domain Awareness, sponsored by Planet Federal. Here's today's moderator, Tom Tammet. Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guest today is Silas Ahn, a Maritime Analyst for Planet Federal. Silas, good to have you with us. Great, great, having, uh, great to be here. Thank you. Our topic is maritime domain awareness, and we should point out the fact that you are a retired Navy captain, so this is something that's near and dear to your heart. Absolutely. It's, um, it's a big challenge, uh, and as we, uh, you know, as economy and oil flows and everything else that goes across the oceans uh, continues to grow, it's something that will increasingly be a concern to, to the governments of the world and to, and to business, too. And increasingly areas, I guess, that have been open waters for many nations, you see people coming out from their shores and trying to take over and, and contest areas that we assumed were open for shipping, for naval operations, or whatever it might be. Uh, that's right. Uh, I mean, no, it's, it's, it's kind of a complex uh, arena. Uh, there's, there's definitely territorial seas and there's economic zones. Uh, but when you get into kind of international waters, the global commons, uh, there is a kind of a tug of war going on out there. All right, and uh, briefly, what is Planet all about? So Planet is uh, a, a satellite company. We have uh, two constellation satellites that uh, collect what we call electro-optical imagery. So it, to the kind of average person, that basically looks like a photograph. Mm -hmm. There's more information in those images, but that's what it looks like. And uh, it was started by a couple of NASA engineers. Uh, I mean, they, they're looking to uh, collect uh, the entire globe uh, every day. Um, the, um, they're committed to transparency and to making the world a better place. All right, so let's uh, talk about maritime domain awareness. What specifically is it? Because is, I guess my question is, is it also inland waters? Because that's maritime in some sense, rivers and the Great Lakes, et cetera, or just the coastal areas. And which agencies' missions does it tend to apply to? Navy is the obvious one. Sure. Um, I would say that, I mean, just from virtue of the word maritime, we're talking about outside the, the shoreline, right? So mm -hmm. not really the, the rivers and lakes um, inside the continents. Uh, I think it's worth uh, just bringing up a definition. Uh, the, the National Strat Strategy for Maritime Security uh, uh, has a definition for maritime domain awareness. And it's basically the effective understanding of, of anything in the global maritime domain uh, that can impact the security, safety, economy, and environment of the United States. So a really broad definition, and it's appropriate because, um, you know, 80% of the international trade uh, goes across our oceans. Mm -hmm. And 60% uh, of the crude oil and petroleum products that are delivered also travel on those maritime routes. So it is, um, it, 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 it touches every part of our lives, whether we, whether we realize it or not. In terms of what agencies um, it touches, I mean, it's, in some ways it's everything, right? Because, um, because the, uh, not only do we have uh, those, that legitimate activity on the oceans, we also have uh, illicit activities. And that can range from uh, illicit fishing, illegal fishing, to smuggling oil, um, transferring arms to conflict zones, uh, illicit drugs. Uh, these things, again, uh, although they're occurring on, the, on, on our high seas, uh, will affect the networks and the businesses and the people ashore. So really, I mean, is it defense, Navy, uh, state, Department of Justice, commerce, transportation, homeland security? Uh, yes, all, all the above. 
So in some ways, it's almost a planning tool because, as you say, you can't necessarily seize a ship in open seas, but knowing what it is, its purpose, where it's headed, can maybe help other agencies plan a response if that's needed. Uh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, once, once a ship leaves, uh, leaves uh, the shore, uh, the coastline, um, it, it's kind of hard to track, right? And that's mainly because the oceans are, are a big place. Uh, so um, we rely heavily on this uh, system called the Automated Identification System. It's a mm -hmm. signal that ships are required to, to transmit, and uh, it tells everyone, hey, this is who I am, this is where I am, and, and where I'm going. Um, but, hey, with the flip of a switch, you can turn that thing off mm -hmm. or, or change the signal to, to, uh, to fool the people around you. We call it spoofing. So uh, you really want uh, multiple sources of information, right? But because it's so hard and because the ocean is so big, uh, it's very easy to hide in plain sight for illicit actors. Yes, yeah, so this ident signal, this is coming from all of the shipping ships and also military vessels of the different countries? Um, I mean, there, there are rules. Uh, I mean, generally speaking, it's, uh, it's based on tonnage. So I, I believe it's like 300 tons or greater. And there are some other cases where, uh, where it's for larger ships. Um, military ships uh, aren't required to, mm -hmm. to transmit, although I've seen some ships that do. Um, and, and a lot of fishing vessels don't transmit, mainly because they don't want to give away where they're catching all the fish. Interesting, yeah. So that you really need a, a uh, to get the awareness, you need a combination of imagery and maybe uh, signal data from IDENT. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and um, I mean, you could probably say that uh, there, you know, if you combined our kind of imagery, which is electro-optical, again, looks like a photograph, uh, with something called synthetic aperture radar. Um, you know, every, every source of information has its strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Ours, our strength is, you know, you can very clearly see what something is without necessarily needing an analyst to tell you, hey, that's a cargo ship. Um, but we, we can only really take pictures uh, during daylight, and mm -hmm. we can't see through clouds. Uh, SAR, synthetic aperture radar, can, um, can, can be taken day or night, and it can uh, take pictures through clouds. So it has other capabilities and can, can, can do things that we can't. Uh, you mentioned um, uh, AIS, but uh, also uh, there are uh, companies out there that can collect um, radio signals, so mm -hmm. radars, uh, communication equipment, uh, to, to provide you a little more insight into what's going on out there. So um, in the ideal world, you, you kind of cluster all those together, right, and get, uh, get a few Sort of triangulate in on what it is that, that you're looking for. And right. what are people looking for? I mean, just the mere fact that there's ships floating, uh, it's interesting, but what are, what is, what's the purpose of all of this maritime domain awareness? Well, um, it's, I, th I think the challenge is that um, because we're looking at millions of square kilometers, um, you don't actually really know what you're looking for necessarily, right? So you have to start from a position of, I need to understand everything. And so when you ask, what, am, what are we looking for, uh, you know, kind of in a, in a tongue-in-cheek answer, it's everything. Uh, because we need to understand the entire picture. And for most of, of, of history, we haven't had that capability. Mm -hmm. Actually, um, uh, planet, uh, and specifically our planet scope constellation, uh, is able to take millions of square kilometers um, of collection every day. And in fact, one of the things we do, and one of the things we, we are proud of, is we can uh, take basically an image of the entire landmass of the Earth once a day. Uh, we don't take as much of the ocean, but we do look at select areas. For example, the South China Sea 
we collect most of the South China Sea once a day. Um, and that's, that's revolutionary, because if you think about how big the South China Sea is, it's just a corner of the ocean. Mm -hmm. But it's the equivalent in size to five or six Texases. I mean, everyone, you know, everyone knows Texas is huge. I mean, just ask a Texan. Um, <laughs> but you know, if you wanted to use ships and aircraft and drones to cover that, even once, it would be very difficult. But with our constellation, we can do that without really blinking an eye as part of our capability. Yeah, so that repeat picture idea then is important to understand movement. Mm. The ship was here yesterday, it's there tomorrow. Mm -hmm. That would be important. Uh, that's, that's, that's important. Um, uh, it's, it's in some ways, um, yeah, once you have that macro picture, you can start asking those smaller questions. Hey, what did this, what, where was the ship yesterday? Was it actually transmitting AIS? Um, and hey, was it tied up to another ship? In some ways, because we're taking that planescope shots once a day, uh, you're missing about 24 hours of movement. So AIS is, remains important, but that picture can validate that AIS picture and also give you more information, right? You may mm -hmm. not have known that uh, those two ships were tied up together because one wasn't transmitting or maybe neither was transmitting. Right, and also the light changes, and it might be that you can get a better picture of it when the sun is overhead or closer to the top mm -hmm. one day versus the next, mm -hmm. and, you know, and there's no big shadow or something next to it, I sure. would think. Yeah, All right, absolutely. and it sounds like then, given the amount of data and amount of specks of floating material <laughs> that are down there, part of the problem is figuring out what's significant in that in that uh, mass of data. Yeah, um, that's that's a that's a big challenge. That is also um, uh, getting some help from technology. So yeah, we so now we've ingested these millions of square kilometers of imagery for today. Um, we don't have an army of analysts that can go through and and find all the ships. Fortunately, we do have um, you know, machine language, um, machine learning, and artificial intelligence tools that can very quickly go out and detect uh, the vessels. Then that's in minutes, right? So you, you sweep through, you find those vessels, and now you can overlay that picture onto um, the AIS picture. And um, you, can, you can look and very quickly say, hey, who's not playing by the rules? And once you've got that picture, you can uh, then uh, make a decision. You can maybe send a law enforcement ship out to take a look at what's going on, um, or you could task other collections. So we do have another constellation called SkySat. It's more traditional in terms of you task it uh, to go and take a picture. Um, and because we have enough of those satellites, we can take a picture up to 10 times a day on any specific location. So if you're looking to see, hey, what was that, that ship doing, and the timing's right, then maybe you can get a higher res shot. So that, but it's all these options are available to you. Sure, and a quick question before we break. Can you tell the difference between a large container ship and a warship? Absolutely. So, well, the container uh, ships are bigger anyway, right? Absolutely. So, length and width is a big discriminator. Uh, but even with our planetscope constellation and the and the, res the spatial resolution is about three point five, three point seven meters, uh, there's plenty of there's enough pixels in there for you to tell uh, the difference between a tanker, uh, a cargo ship, a fishing vessel, uh, or a warship. Okay. Can you? Pick out a canoe, too, if you need to? Uh, canoe is probably <laughs> too small, at least for the planet scope, but, um, um, but no. <laughs> All right, well, probably don't have to worry about a canoe. On that note, we'll take a short break. My guest is Silas Ahn, a maritime analyst for Planet Federal. I'm Federal Drive host Tom Temin. This is Federal Insights Maritime Domain Awareness, sponsored by Planet Federal here on Federal News Network. Planet satellite data provides unmatched coverage of the Earth's waters. With global daily satellite imagery, you can monitor ports and coastlines, 
Detect and track vessels and uncover suspicious activity in contested waters. Learn how government bodies, coast guards, border security, and environmental agencies are leveraging Planet to monitor and protect their waters at go.planet.com/mda. That's go.planet.com/mda. Welcome back to Federal Insights, Maritime Domain Awareness, sponsored by Planet Federal here on Federal News Network. My guest today is Silas Ahn, a retired Navy captain and maritime analyst for Planet Federal. I'm your Federal Drive host, Tom Temin. And before we were talking about the different sources of imagery, mm -hmm. and not necessarily imagery, but signatures given off by various maybe radars and, and uh, the IDENT signal system, what is the process to merge all of that to get a total picture? Because you've got very different data types and, uh, and different data sets. And how can you triangulate in on what that thing is? Um, it's, a, it's a good question. I think that, uh, I mean, from, from our side, I, we, we are primarily an imagery company. And so we have partner companies that, uh, that do this, do, can do some of the analytics. We have some of our own, but I don't have the, the breadth of, uh, of that kind of capability. Uh, and then, then there are uh, companies that go out and, and fuse that data. So um, from, from the perspective of, of uh, kind of a single source uh, company, uh, I think the, the, really the trick is that uh, you want to make sure that uh, you're able to overlay um, all these sources. You have to understand, again, the strengths and weaknesses of each and, uh, and maybe the area of uncertainty in terms of uh, you know, how, how accurate some of those sources are. But the, 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 the power of fusing that intelligence is that now you can say, okay, well, I've got an AI signal, I've got the imagery picture, and I've got maybe a radar signal, and those things all align. Now I have much more confidence that I've got a good picture for that, uh, that single ship. Mm -hmm. And then you multiply that times 10,000 you know, in the South China Sea or in the Pacific or whatever it is. And, uh, and you can get a much, uh, you can get a picture that you can, you can believe in. And with optical, you, know, you, you mentioned you specialize in optical photographs, basically, yeah. of these things. Just a, just a side question. How do you download the data from satellites, because it's high resolution imagery, mm -hmm. faster than you collect it? Uh, it's, it's or a great at least question. as fast as you collect it. Uh, yeah, um, so we have ground stations uh, kind of located around the globe, and uh, as it's getting collected, it has to, yeah, it does absolutely has to, to downlink that, uh, that imagery and uh, get it down. It's, it's a challenge, right? It's, um, uh, it's orchestrated by computers and human beings, of course, managing the process, but... Um, and probably um, some pretty good compression. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I was just curious, because you would fill the disks on the satellite in about two hours and then it's up there forever, so oh, it's, to speak. It's the whole cycle, that's right. <laughs> All right, so getting back to our main thing, uh, talk about dark ships and ship-to-ship -ship transfers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. These are significant in terms of maritime awareness for the government? That's right. Um, yes, so uh, we talked about the fact that you can very easily turn off that AIS signal and all, all of a sudden it's just hard to know who's out there. Uh, I'll give an example. Uh, it was reported in the New York Times uh, earlier this year um, in the Sea of Japan, there was a ship that in, that in the AIS picture was kind of loitering somewhere. Uh, but someone, uh, one of the analysts decided, hey, let's see what's going on there because it's kind of hanging out there for a while. And they used one of our images. And sure enough, there was no ship there. And uh, so wh where was it? They started looking at the ports in the area, and they found that ship, uh, which was Cathay Phoenix, uh, in a Russian port loading oil. So currently, there are sanctions uh, mm -hmm. on, on Russian oil, and there's always incentive to, uh, to, not, not, to not obey that sanction. 
So the ship was in there, then came out, and presumably went off and sold it, perhaps to China, uh, according to the news article. Um, but you can't make that connection if you don't have that second source. Right? All you know is, well, it looks kind of strange. So that dark ship was actually um, spoofing. It was saying it was here when it was actually in port. And how, oh, okay, so it was physically somewhere else, even though the signal said it was another spot? That's right, yeah. That's pretty sophisticated. Um, it, yes and no, right? It's not hard to do, um, but uh, it's... Um, they just drop a buoy with their ident signal and leave it floating? No, or? no, no. They have, they have ways of, of uh, producing a false signal. Interesting. Yeah. What about disguising a ship? I mean, if you're taking electro-optical images, mm. and one day it's gray, what if they painted it blue overnight yeah. or purple? Um, yes, um, it, that's certainly possible. I mean, it's kind of an arms race. A lot of paint. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Or I, we've seen uh, ships cover, cover some identifying features with a tarp, you know, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. So they um, know they're being watched. They know they're being watched, that's mm -hmm. absolutely. So the, the, the challenge though there is that uh, there's only a limited amount of things you can do in a short space of time. These are massive ships. Some of them are you know, 900,000 uh, feet long. Uh, we've seen that, uh, and we've worked with companies that, uh, that actually are expert at figuring out, hey, that, that's, a, that's a nice attempt at, uh, at disguising yourself, but, it, but you, can, you can kind of deduce based on movements and the other characteristics of the ship that uh, they, were, they were just trying to change their appearance. Yeah, you can't make them they can't make themselves longer or wider, pretty much. Or maybe with some plywood hanging out the edge, I don't know. I, I guess that's possible. But, uh, it's, it's, I'm, sure we'll, I'm sure that'll improve, uh, but um, we, we see that in pockets, not, not, not widespread as far as I know. Now, for federal maritime awareness, you would think primarily, yes, we care about warships or container ships that might have illicit material, illicit oilers, as you mentioned, going from you know, Japan to, uh, into Russia. But, you know, a lot of the terror activity, a lot of smuggling, a lot of human trafficking, things we also care about and that can land on our shores mm -hmm. are in very small vessels. And, and given the resolutions and the sheer number of data points in a given one picture, what are the, some of the strategies for data analytics such that you could find out some of the smaller vessels mm -hmm. that maybe all look alike that, that you care about? Sure. Um, well, I think that, uh, like, like I said, I mean, there are, there are strengths and weaknesses to every data source. Uh, for PlanetScope, again, which is a medium resolution uh, uh, system, uh, yeah, some of those smaller vessels uh, won't, won't appear quite as uh, distinctly. Um, that's where, again, it comes to a multi-source uh, problem. Um, you also uh, aren't just looking at, I mean, our perspective is imagery. But uh, if you really want to hammer down into maritime domain awareness, you're going to have to start looking at the networks ashore mm -hmm. that are feeding and supporting uh, that activity that's, um, that's occurring on the oceans. So if we're looking at for small ships that are doing human trafficking or something of that nature, uh, they're going to have to get supported probably by bigger ships. Um, the money, money has, some sort of money has to fund that. So you follow the money and figure out, figure out what, uh, uh, how that's working and maybe that can help cue you. So that's probably an area where it, it, we, we couldn't do as much uh, from the planet scope imagery, uh, but uh, would be happy to uh, be, a, be a part of that. Right, but the imagery is the center of it. That's where you know that there's something in the first place. Potentially, that's right. Got it, and I imagine from the government standpoint, they would use commercial data such as yours. Maybe there's open sources also of imagery. Google, I guess, produces that kind of thing. And then they've got their own classified and sensitive information. Mm -hmm. And 
what are the issues of combining all of that? And, and you must have to be treated with caution by the government in creating their information product. Um, yes. Uh, well, the, the beauty of commercial imagery, and most commercial imagery, and certainly planets, is that it's 100% unclassified. It makes sharing with our allies and partners much easier. Um, and, and really, you know, I, I don't think we, there's, there's no real issue in terms of working with classified information uh, from the perspective of combining it. Uh, the, the, the question really becomes, where, you, where do you want to do that processing? Are you, if you're comfortable doing it in, a, in the unclassified world, um, the data is already there because it's all unclassified, and you can ship smaller bits into, into a classified enclave. Um, if there's a reason to do that uh, processing uh, within classified systems, then you know, we'd work with whatever user or customer um, uh, is asking for that, and um, that shouldn't be a hard solution, but moving large amounts of data uh, cost mm -hmm. time and money, so that has to be factored into the decision. And in dealing with federal agencies, you find that they have different focuses. For example, the Navy may have a focus on military vessels, Coast Guard kind of do bridges domains between illicit and trafficking and that kind of thing, and military affairs. Mm -hmm. Maybe NOAA only cares about illicit fishing mm -hmm. and maybe human smuggling and this kind of thing, so that there's overlapping needs, but they do have their exclusive areas. And is that what you find that, that, uh, that they're looking for? Um, yes, yes and no. Uh, I mean, absolutely, on any given day, you know, the Navy or the Coast Guard or, or NOAA might have very specific interests. But I'd, I like to think that you have to start from a, a, a position of general, general knowledge, right, and understanding. And again, that's, that's what, from our perspective, we're providing is that big picture that really I, I don't think anyone else can provide. Once you get that, then you can ask your, your micro question. You've got this macro perspective, and mm -hmm. now you can say, hey, that's great. Now I want to know what those two ships are doing. Or, hey, I want to see ships that are leaving this, this port and going here, and we can absolutely help to fill in that picture. Any other good examples of something aha? No, oh, yeah. Uh, there, there, are, there are many, but uh, one, one that I found interesting, um, that this is back in 2020, uh, and again, a case of, of AIS tricks, right? And... Um, it was, there were two ships kind of playing as a team. Uh, one was a Lubov, uh, and the other one was called Humanity, kind of an ironic name, I guess, in this perspective. And basically, Lubov turned off its AIS, and then Humanity assumed its, its identity, right? And then kind of went off and did its thing, and this is in the, in the Persian Gulf. Uh, Lubov goes and, and onloads oil from two Iranian ships, and then leaves the Persian Gulf and goes into the Gulf of Oman, resumes its identity, and, uh, and then offloaded it to some other ship, which presumably didn't, wasn't aware that it was you know, illicit oil at that point. But the point again is here, people will do all sorts of things to, to get their money. And uh, in this case, the Department of Justice actually sees that oil. It was two, two million barrels of oil, and back in uh, November 2020 when all this occurred, that was worth about $80 million. So, if, I mean, that's a lot of money for, uh, for a lot of people, uh, especially if you're under sanctions. So, um, yeah. Aha moment, and you could only really get to that point by looking at the imagery and combining it with other sources. In this case, it was AIS again. Uh, but uh, uh, it's pretty, pretty clever. Interesting stuff. Thanks yeah. for being with us today. Thank you very much. All right. Be here. My guest has been Silas Ahn, a maritime analyst for Planet Federal. I'm Federal Drive host Tom Temin. You're listening to Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, please visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Planet Federal. 
Thank you for listening to Federal Insights, Maritime Domain Awareness, sponsored by Planet Federal on Federal News Network.